right. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, uh, open to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Tonight, we're going to look at, again at, um, at a couple of short, shorter parables uh, that Jesus told. If you, were, if you were one of the precious few with us last Wednesday night, not, they're not quite as short as those two that we looked at last week, but not far from it. Last week, we looked at two, uh, and if this is the first, your first time with us tonight, I'm glad you're here, and also we're studying through the parables. That's why we're here. Um, last week, we, we looked at two parables, the parable of um, the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value. Those two parables together take up all of three verses, and then tonight... They're longer than that, but the two we're going to look at tonight take all of four verses. Um, so I'm talking about the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. And we're going to look at Luke's account of these parables. You can also find them in Matthew 13. And you can also find one of these two, the mustard seed, in Mark chapter 4. I chose Luke 13 simply because we've already spent a number of weeks in Matthew 13. And the string of parables that he has in that chapter. Uh, and so I just thought we'll give, give Luke a shot. And, uh, and also we're going we're gonna, to um, we're gonna look at the, the parable in Mark chapter 4 a couple of times tonight. So um, you may in a minute just, you may want to go ahead and find your place in Mark 4 and just mark it somehow. Because we're going to turn back and forth to it a couple of times. Um, yeah. So, um, not only, we're not just going to look at the parable, I've got to confess something to you. The, in Mark chapter 4, there's the parable of the, of the uh, mustard seed. So, we're going to look at Mark's version of that. But just before Mark's telling of this same parable, there's another parable that Jesus told that I absentmindedly completely left off the list of our study for this year. I'm so sorry, Jesus. I left off a parable. So what I'm going to do is we're going to reference it tonight so we can at least say we looked at it, right? And it, and it pertains to what we're talking about tonight. So anyway, Mark chapter 4, mark your plates there and just hang on to it. We'll start in Luke 13. This will be our main text. So Luke 13, verses 18 to 21. Uh, let's read that and then we'll pray and, and dive in. Uh, so Jesus begins in verse 18. He said, therefore... What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Let's pray. Lord, these are two parables. They're very short, but they, are, they say a lot. And we acknowledge that these two parables that we just read, uh, every other scripture that we're going to acknowledge... Um, is your holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and necessary word. And we ask 
um, that you would give us eyes to see the truth in these words. Would you give us eyes to see it? Would you give us minds to understand what Jesus is teaching us here? Would you give us hearts to believe and to see as important, um, as eternally important, what Jesus says here? And would you please give us wills to obey whatever it is that you would admonish us to do here? And I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, like I said, uh, if, if last week's parables were the shortest Jesus told, th- these aren't far from it. Um, and you, but you can see uh, in, in what we just read in these two parables how, um, just like I said last week, and just a reminder of what I said in the very first week of this study, parables are like comparison stories. That's what they are. Uh, they're, they're, they're comparison stories that Jesus told, stories that, that, that teach you about one thing by comparing it to another thing. Teach, and usually he was teaching about eternal heavenly realities by comparing those things to very ordinary things that everybody is familiar with. And, uh, and, and you can see how that's what parables are like, like these right here. They both literally begin with questions like, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? That's verse 18 in the second one. To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? And so these, and they both follow by, it is like, it is like. And uh, so these parables are like windows into the kingdom of God. What the kingdom of God, or as Matthew calls it, the kingdom of heaven. As Paul calls it one time, the kingdom of Christ. What is it like? What is that kingdom like? What is life in that kingdom like for believers and for followers of Christ? And, and, and these parables also show like what life outside that kingdom is like for unbelievers. Um, and, and so we've been thinking since the beginning of this, this study, we've been thinking about parables so far that Jesus told uh, to describe those who do enter into that kingdom. Uh, and how they enter that kingdom, how anyone enters that kingdom, what kind of person is allowed into the kingdom of Christ. And by implication, those who don't, and why they don't. And last week, we looked at those two, those two shortest ones um, that, that stepped away from describing the person who enters the kingdom. That, those two last week, the pearl of great price and the and the, and the treasure in the field, it, it, it focused on the worth of that kingdom, why we should desire it. And um, the parables that we just read um, teach us about the, it's just going to say more about that kingdom, the growth of the kingdom. That's what these are clearly about. Um, like last week, these parables are not, are very simple. They're just, they're just not hard at all to understand. And uh, but they do tell us a, a, a lesson and a message we need to hear and take heart in. I want to think about these two parables. If you're taking notes, I want to I want to I want to look at them from four different angles. Um, and the first one is this: they're all going to be about the growth. I'm gonna the first the first point is going to be this: the way the way of the growth of the kingdom, the way of the growth of the kingdom. And here I'll just emphasize one aspect of that way really, uh, because one of the later points is going to make clear the other aspects. So the first is going to be the way of the growth of the kingdom. The second, we're going to think about the appearance of the growth of the kingdom. The appearance of the growth of the kingdom. And here, 
I'm just going to note that even the imagery that Jesus chose to use for these parables, I think he's taking into consideration how the growth of the kingdom appears to the world. Okay? So the second point is the appearance of the growth of the kingdom. The third is the power of the growth of the kingdom. And this is going to be the other side of the first point, like I was mentioning a second ago. We'll, we'll see this point in, in our main parables, the power of the growth. We'll see this in our main parables, but we'll, we'll especially see it in what Mark has to say in his, his version. And finally, the certainty of the growth of the kingdom, which is the main point of these parables, the certainty. Jesus tells these parables both as a deep encouragement to believers and as a warning to unbelievers. So that's what I want us to see. And so let's quickly dive into these parables and think first about the way of the growth of the kingdom. So I did struggle a bit, to be honest, with what to call uh, this aspect of what Jesus said in this parable. In other words, what to call this point. I struggle with that because calling it the way of the growth of the kingdom to me, actually communicates more than I want to say, okay? Uh, but I couldn't figure out how else to say it. So we'll think about the way of the growth, the way of the growth of the kingdom, but I'm just going to be try, I'll try to be very careful what I mean and explain what I mean by that uh, in trying to summarize this aspect of what Jesus is trying to say. So what do I mean by it? Um, the most, I mean, when I say the way of the growth of the kingdom, I mean the most basic thing, the, the, something we've already talked about in an earlier uh, parable. So af, notice, after Jesus says in verse, nine, uh, verse 18, what is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? Look at what he says in verse 19. It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And emphasize that phrase, that a man took and sowed. The, it's like a grain of mustard seed. It's seed that a man took and he sowed. And the same is in the next parable. After his question in verse 20, look at what he says in verse 21. It's like, it's like leaven that a woman, what? Took and hid in three measures of flour. That word hid... In, in the Greek, could also in this context literally mean just put into. It's like leaven that a woman took, she took it and put it into the, to the, to the flour. Je and what am I trying to say here? Jesus deliberately includes the active participation of people in the growth of the kingdom. The way of the growth. It involves human agency. These parables, in, what I'm, in other words, these parables don't teach that God just unilaterally builds his kingdom, that it's just going to happen, right? Uh, and, and on that note, if you were here last Wednesday night, uh, how did we simply define uh, how we think about what the kingdom of God is? It is God's people in God's place under God's rule. It's a, way to, it's a helpful, easy way to think about what is the kingdom of God. It's God's people in God's place under God's rule. And so when we think about 
the fulfillment of that kingdom in Christ, we're talking about, if it's God's people in God's place under God's rule, then that kingdom is made up of people who belong to Christ. The kingdom is, is made up of people who belong to Christ in the place that Christ uh, has them under the rule and reign of Christ their king. It's people. So the kingdom of God is built, it's made up of people who have repented of their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, as all of those earlier parables that we've studied have taught us. And what Jesus is teaching in these parables is that the growth of that kind of kingdom that is made up of human beings who have repented and believed, the growth and expansion of that kind of kingdom does not happen unilaterally just by the immediate decree of God. Believers don't just appear, right? How do believers appear from our vantage point? How do they, how does someone, how does it, someone go from not a believer to a believer? Well, how did the parable of, of the sower teach us? By people sowing the seed. The seed being the gospel and, and the sowing being the sharing of it. How can they call on him in whom they've never heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? So this is the constant testimony of the New Testament. That's not reading too much into these parables to notice that a man sows the mustard seed and a woman puts the yeast into the flour so that the bread would make. That's just a basic aspect of the story by intention. No tree without seed. No leavened bread without yeast. And Mark certainly has that element of the story in his, in his telling of the parable of the mustard seed. So just to hold your place in Luke 13, go back to Mark chapter 4, and you'll see what I'm talking about in... When you get to Mark chapter 4, you'll notice what I'm talking about in verse 31. When Mark says in verse 31, he has Jesus saying, It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of the seeds on earth. So there it is. But look, too, at the parable just before that one, verses 26 to 29. This is the one that I completely overlooked. Um, in my list of things to study this school year. So the parable of the seed growing. Let's just go ahead and read it for good measure. He says, this parable says, and he, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And so again, we're going we're gonna to come back to this parable in, in just a minute. But just notice, even in that parable as well, that Jesus says right there in verse 26, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Jesus is telling this story just after. By the way, what's the first parable in chapter 4 of Mark? It's the parable of the sower, right? And, and, and so, um, yeah, it's, it, to, to you, yeah, we'll come back to this in just a minute. But for now, just go back to Luke 13. I just want to tie this point up by saying these, 
these two parables, along with the one we just read in Mark 4, are just making a very obvious point. Um, that the kingdom of God is going to grow, uh, and it's going to grow, I mean, the point is that it's going to grow astonishingly in ways that, that only God can make happen, but Jesus is insistent in so many of these parables, and these are no exception, that it, it's not going to, it won't happen, God won't make it happen apart from faithful proclamation and sharing of the gospel from his people to those who need to hear. That's basic. But that's just what Jesus says over and over and over again. That's what I mean by the way of the growth of the kingdom. Christ has promised to build his church. But, yeah, he will bless and use our labor as witnesses to do it. But as we keep looking and thinking about these parables, another thought comes to mind other than just I, that that's not the main point. That is a point of these parables, not the main point. It's true, though. But the other thing that comes to mind as you keep looking at these parables has to do with the appearance of the growth of the kingdom. And the reason I think this is a point that in these parables that we should notice is because it, it seems to be a, a point, a main point that Jesus is making in the parable simply by his choosing of a mustard seed to be the focus of one parable and yeast or leaven to be the focus of the other. What is the very basic commonality between those two things? Small. Little amount. Just small, seemingly insignificant. The mustard seed is this proverbial proverbially tiny, microscopically small seed, right? And, and, and any maker of bread knows that it doesn't, a whole lot of flour does not require a whole lot of yeast to make something happen. And, and Jesus is making that point strongly here because he says, when he says that this leaven was put in three measures of flour in biblical units, that's 50 pounds of flour, it's a lot of flour. He's, he's, he is intentionally making the point. Tiny amount of yeast, whole lot of flour. What is the obvious point that Jesus is making by using those two things as his object lessons in these parables and, and saying that this is what the kingdom of God should be compared to? He's saying that the growth of the kingdom is not always apparent. It's you may not even notice it. You, it may seem meager and insignificant at times. It may not seem like much of anything. A mustard seed is hard even to see. The church in the world may at times seem insignificant or unremarkable or a marginalized group of people. Or, and Jesus is, just say, is simply saying here, that's just appearances. There is more going on than we can often see. Even in the example he used of the mustard seed, this microscopic seed eventually will grow into something like a bush, right? But even a bush is nothing, nothing near what it's going to be eventually, a, 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 a large tree that birds can land in and nest in. And that point may not, and in that point that it reaches that may not be, it may be a long way off. 
Jesus certainly knows that. We saw that in the, in the parable of the sower, where only one of the four types of seed took root in good soil and bore fruit. And that's, not, that's not some mathematical formula for evangelism that one out of every four is going to repent and believe. I do think that's an indication, though, that there are going to be far more that don't believe than do. Um, and so the church does not always appear to be on the victory march. The, the, it does not always appear to be successful in the world. In fact, in many, in many places in the world, the church may not appear to exist much at all. At all. Um, and it, in, in many places, in uh, certain sectors of the world, the church may appear not to exist at all in places where it once flourished. And it's barely in existence anymore. And that's how it seems. It was just last year that we studied through the book of Revelation where many times throughout the book of Revelation the church is presented as a persecuted minority and, and does not appear to be strong and growing and flourishing in the world. In fact, there's one passage in, in, uh, in Revelation. It's one of the teen chapters. I don't remember which, which chapter. That the, the church in a place... Of, it, the people are making merry and exchanging presents and rejoicing because the church appears dead. That's not the end of the story in Revelation. But it's just a good reminder to, in this, this, these parables are just a good reminder to trust God's word over appearances. And in this case, I'll apply that, that truth to your own efforts to bear witness to Christ. Um, through your own witness, Jesus says, don't judge by appearances. What would that look like in terms of your own, uh, your own trying to be faithful to bear witness to Christ and share the gospel? What would, it, what would that look like in your own mind, in, your own, in terms of your own sharing of the gospel to not judge by appearances? Well, because uh, you, may, you may share and share and share and share, and maybe there's a season in your life, or maybe it's for a long time, that you share and you share and you share and you share and you just don't ever see anybody repent and believe. You're just faithfully sharing and it's just been a long time since you actually led somebody to Christ. Right? They're your own witness. But Jesus says, don't judge by appearances. Right? And, and what, I mean, what, that, what that looks like in real life is you, don't, you just don't ever know what God may do down the line in someone's life through your sharing of the gospel you just weren't there to see it god is building his kingdom in that person through your witness it just didn't appear to you that they repented and believed because they didn't at that point but something else happened in their life on down the line and they remembered what you said and they gave their life to christ and there's another brick in the wall of the kingdom and it was through your witness. So appearances don't always tell the story of the growth of the kingdom. It's this tiny little mustard seed. It doesn't seem like anything. There's this huge amount of flour. What is this little bit of yeast going to do to it? That leads quickly to the third truth, which is the, what is the power of the growth of the kingdom? To see this point in the parables, you almost have to look at what is not said as much as what is. 
uh, and what is not said in this, what does he not say in these parables? He does not say how it grew. The seed was planted and it grew. The leaven was put into the bowl and it leavened 50 pounds of flour. No explanation of how. And this is where these parables again marry very well with that parable in Mark chapter 4. So let's go back there one more time. Mark chapter 4. And look again at that parable of the seed growing. That was right before the mustard seed parable. Um, Notice specifically what it says after the farmer sows the seed. What, What is the first thing that the farmer does in verse 27 after he sows the seed? He sleeps. He sleeps. I heard John MacArthur preach a sermon one time on this parable and he he called that sermon a theology of sleep. A theology of sleep. He was preaching it to a bunch of pastors um, who were probably growing weary in their work. It's not always easy being a a pastor of a church. They were probably growing weary of their pastoral work. Maybe they were in difficult situations. Maybe they were laboring very hard in their ministries and just not seeing a whole lot of fruit. And he took them to this text this parable of the seed growing, and he, and he pointed out that Jesus taught this truth in such a way that if we're faithful to sow the seed, we can sleep easy at night. This farmer sowed the seed, and he went to sleep. Because we can trust that the power to produce the growth is not in us, and hence it's not expected of us. In fact, still looking at verse 27, it hammers home that point. It's, verse 27 says, He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. He has no idea how it grows. He just knows that bit is not up to him, so he sleeps well at night. And Jesus says, Jesus explains a little bit more in that parable how it does grow. In verse 28, it says, the earth produces by itself, by itself. That that word translated by itself is the Greek word automatos. It's where we get automatically. The earth produces automatically uh, because the earth has the power within itself to produce the growth of that seed. And Jesus is likening that to the gospel. Jesus is saying that the gospel has the power in itself to produce the fruit that God desires to produce. This is what Paul says in Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. Paul writes... I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So Christ is building His church. He's building His kingdom through our witness. He's not going to do it apart from our witness. And He is working in ways that appearances to us don't always make clear, which brings us, 
And we can trust that he's doing something because the message we're sharing has the power within itself. But it brings us to the final point of this passage as you go back to Luke 13 one last time, which is the certainty of the growth of the kingdom, the certainty of the growth. This point in the parable, uh, parables doesn't require a whole lot of elaboration. In Jesus' parables, his point was, using the illustrations he used, that despite what started out small and so seemingly insignificant, it's going to produce enormous results. That's, that's the whole parable. That, that doesn't take a whole lot of explanation. The mustard seed, which became a bush, eventually becomes a big tree. A tree large enough that birds nest in its branches. And that small amount of yeast in the flour, it leavens enough flour that if you bake that bread, it could feed 150 people. The point is, the gospel is going to succeed. That's what, that's what he's saying. The gospel, and you can see, if you look at the context of Luke 13, you can see why he's saying it. What is the first thing in chapter 13? He says in verse 3, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He's, he's warning people to repent and believe the gospel. And you can see how this fits into that. The, the gospel, the kingdom's going to succeed. So repent and believe the gospel. The gospel will succeed. The church will be built. The kingdom will advance. We'll finish with this thought. Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Have you ever thought gates are not offensive weapons? Gates are defensive mechanisms. Right? Um, which tells you in what Jesus said when he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hell is not attacking. All hell's got is gates. They're defending. And they're defending not very well because Jesus said their gates would not prevail against the advance of the kingdom and of the gospel. I'll end with this scripture from the book of Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. And 10. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for these incredibly simple parables. That These parables right here, Lord, it, the, the absolute, utter simplicity of them should make us realize these are the most important things on earth. These are the truths that you made most simple in all your word. Why would you do that? So that no one would misunderstand it. So Lord, help us not to get bored with these simple truths. Again, give us hearts to embrace them. And wills to obey and, uh, and, 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 and carry out 
what you admonish us to do in this, which is to bear witness to you in this world. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.